Good afternoon. Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. Thanks for joining us. This afternoon's episode is titled, A Wise Woman Brings Salvation. It shall be focused on a study of 2 Samuel chapter 20. Before we go any further, we'll begin with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we read in the scripture of how Joab was going to bring retribution for the king and settling the scores, and we see the woman who had wisdom, and she went and inquired what Joab wanted, and she went and brought it to him and saved the whole city. Father, help us to be that woman, recognizing that, Father, what you require as the judge for sin is the sacrifice of the shed blood of Jesus. So may you help us find the sinners among us and bring them to repentance through the leading of your Holy Spirit, that, Father, they might come to you and present the sacrifice of Jesus Christ so that your, right, your wrath might be appeased and stay the judgment on the people. We pray, Father, help us while there's still chance for some to be saved, send us to all the ones, Lord, that you ordained. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall study 2 Samuel chapter 20. Chapter 20. And there happened to be there a man of Belial, whose name was Sheba, the son of Bichri, a Benjamite. And he blew a trumpet and said, We have no part in David, neither have we inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to his tent, O Israel. So every man of Israel went up from after David, and followed Sheba, the son of Bichri. But the men of Judah clave unto their king, from Jordan even to Jerusalem. And David came to his house at Jerusalem, and the king took the ten women his concubines, whom he had left to keep the house, and put them in ward, and fed them, but went not in unto them. So they were shut up unto the day of their death, living in widowhood. Then said the king to Amasa, Assemble me the men of Judah within three days, and be thou here present. So Amasa went to assemble the men of Judah, but he tarried longer than the set time which he had appointed him. And David said to Abishai, Now shall Sheba the son of Bichri do us more harm than did Absalom. Take thou thy lord's servants, and pursue after him, lest he get him fenced cities, and escape us. And there went out after him Joab's men, and the Carathites, and the Pelathites, and all the mighty men. And they went out of Jerusalem to pursue after Sheba, the son of Bichri. When they were at the great stone which is in Gibeon, Amasa went before them, and Joab's garment that he had put on was girded unto him, and upon it a girdle with a sword fastened upon his loins in the sheath thereof. And as he went forth, it fell out. And Joab said to Amasa, Art thou in health, my brother? And Joab took Amasa by the beard with the right hand to kiss him. But Amasa took no heed to the sword that was in Joab's hand. So he smote him therewith in the fifth rib, and shed out his bowels to the ground, and struck him not again, and he died. So Joab and Abishai his brother pursued after Sheba the son of Bichri, and one of Joab's men stood by him, and said, He that favoreth Joab, and he that is for David, let him go after Joab. And Amasa wallowed in blood in the midst of the highway. And when the man saw that all the people stood still, 
he removed Amasa out of the highway into the field and cast a cloth upon him, when he saw that everyone that came by him stood still. When he was removed out of the highway, all the people went on after Joab to pursue after Sheba, the son of Bichri. And he went through all the tribes of Israel unto Abel, and to Bethmaacah, and all the Berites. And they were gathered together, and went also after him. And they came and besieged him in Abel of Bethmaacah. And they cast up a bank against the city, and it stood in the trench. And all the people that were with Joab battered the wall to throw it down. Then cried a wise woman out of the city, Here, here, say I pray you unto Joab, Come near hither, that I may speak with thee. And when he was come near unto her, the woman said, Art thou Joab? And he answered, I am he. Then she said unto him, Hear the words of thine handmaid. And he answered, I do hear. Then she spake, saying, They were wont to speak in old time, saying, They shall surely ask counsel at Abel. And so they ended the matter. I am one of them that are peaceable and faithful in Israel. Thou seekest to destroy a city and a mother in Israel. Why wilt thou swallow up the inheritance of the Lord? And Joab answered and said, Far be it, far be it from me that I should swallow up or destroy. The matter is not so. But a man of Mount Ephraim, Sheba the son of Bichri by name, hath lifted up his hand against the king, even against David. Deliver him only, and I will depart from the city. And the woman said unto Joab, Behold, his head shall be thrown to thee over the wall. Then the woman went unto all the people in her wisdom, and they cut off the head of Sheba, the son of Bichri, and cast it out to Joab. And he blew a trumpet, and they retired from the city, every man to his tent. And Joab returned to Jerusalem under the king. Now Joab was over all the host of Israel. And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, was over the Carathites and over the Pelathites. And Adoram was over the tribute. And Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahilad, was recorder. And Shiva was scribe, and Zadok and Abiathar were the priests. And Ira, also the Jairite, was a chief ruler about David. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham titled, The Uncertain Sound. This was preached in 1962 on July the 14th. We'll begin at paragraph 20. But I remember one night I was coming from Memphis, flying in a plane, coming home, and they got a storm up and they grounded me at Memphis. It's been years ago. And uh, Memphis is located right on the Mississippi River, as we all know. And so uh, they sent me up there to that famous hotel, Peabody Hotel. And I thought, boy, one time I'm going to be an aristocrat staying in that hotel. So they called me up after a while and said, well, everything will be all right. Long about 10 o'clock, said, be ready. We're a, a flight leaves in the morning at 7 o'clock. Thank you, sir. Said, be ready. The limousine pick you up. All right, sir. Many more is in the hotel there that night. So I set up to about 12 o'clock writing letters to different ones and praying over requests that I had, answering some personal mail had been put in my pockets going through the meeting. Next morning, I got up early and I thought, well, it's six o'clock. I believe I'll go out and find a post box and marry him, you know, uh, put him in there. So then I went out to this box and thought I'd find it, went down the street. I started walking down the street. And when I got down the street a little ways, I started across the street where there's a big Irish cop standing out there. 
he'd whistle and people would cross and something said to me, go back the other way. Do you believe children of God are led by the Spirit of God? Amen. I just want to hear you say that so I can finish the story. That's true. And he works on both ends of the line. Always makes his corners meet. And I thought, well, maybe that was just me thinking that. But it sounded like a voice told me. This uh, a sporting goods store there and how I love fishing and hunting. I just got up in this sporting goods store window and was looking around there. See, it didn't attract the attention of this big cop. Maybe it run me off the corner. And I got up here and I looked around. Old boys watching me. I said, Heavenly Father, was that you? I don't want to miss you, Father. Was that you? And a voice just as plain as you hear me said, Turn and go back. Well, I turned and started walking back. I walked and I walked. I got over to the other side and got out into the colored section, uh, way down towards the river. Got down in that way, and it's a beautiful morning. I looked up. I'd been gone then over an hour. I thought, well, the plane's gone. But something just kept saying, keep walking. I know God well enough. Just keep doing what he tells you to do. Don't you believe your own thinking. You do what he tells you to do. Just keep going. I just kept on walking, walking. I got down amongst where the colored people was, the little old house down there. And I looked, I was going along singing that little song that you Pentecostal people used to sing all the time. See, I, I sang it once in a while, try to get it. Something about, they were gathered in the upper room, all praying in his name. Baptized with the Holy Ghost and power for service came. You ever hear that? What he did for them that day, he'll do for you the same. Glad that I can say I'm one of them. I just learned it. And I was going down saying, one of them, one of them. Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. The Holy Spirit just keeps saying, move on, move on. You know how you're led in the Spirit. Just kept on going down the street, singing, you know, and singing. After a while, I looked hanging out over an old whitewashed fence, a little old shack behind it. There was a typical old Aunt Jemima standing there with a man's shirt tied around her head, great big fat cheeks. I uh, just quit singing and was about distance the door. I start walking on down the street. When I passed by, she said, Good morning, Parson. I thought, Wait a minute. Now, Parson, that means preacher in the South. See? Good morning, Parson. I turned around and I said, Good morning, Auntie. That's usually the way we regard the color down there. Good morning, Auntie. She's laughing, great big tears running over her big black cheeks. She looked like an angel to me. Then I looked, she said, um, I said, say, by the way, how'd you know I was a parson? She said, I knew you was. So the only thing you're supposed to have a briefcase in your hand. I said, I left it up there and just put the letters under my arm. I thought, uh-uh. I stopped. And she said, um, I knew you was coming. Said you had that hat on the side of your head and kind of gray looking, that gray suit on it. Yes, ma'am. She said, did you ever read the story in the Bible about the Shunammite woman? I said, yes, ma'am, I have. I got up close to the fence. She said, I was that kind of a woman. I didn't have no children. said, I was a washwoman. But me and my husband are Christians. And she said, I, I prayed for two years for the Lord to give me a child. And said, I promised the Lord if he'd give me a child, I'd raise him to honor him. And she said, one day, a lovely little boy was born in our home. She said, Parson, I raised him the best of my knowledge to serve the Lord, but he got out amongst bad company, and he took a social disease, syphilis, and said, and we didn't know it, being a Christian family, we didn't know it, and said, we just 
Never, he never thought nothing about it and said it went to his heart and said, the doctor man says that he can't live and said certain parts of his heart is gone and said we give him all kinds of shots and he's been unconscious now. This is the third day. And she said, Parson, he's laying in there dying and said he hasn't known nothing now. This is the third day and said, last night I prayed all night. She said, I prayed, Lord, you give me this baby. Just as you did the Shunammite woman, but where is Elisha? And she said, I fell asleep, and I dreamed a dream that I saw a man coming, and he had a little gray hat on and a gray suit. And she said, I've been standing at this gate since before daylight this morning, waiting for you to come down the street. God answers on both ends of the line. I looked at her. I patted her on the back. She was damp. I'm standing there. I looked at her a little bit, and uh, she said, won't you come in? And I come in, old gate with a plow horn hanging on it for a wait to pull it back together. When she opened the, the door, a plain little old hut, just a common little hut with an old iron poster bed. How many knows what they are? Little old iron bed. And um, no rug on the floor, typical southern, but she had a sign hanging on the door, God bless our home. I've been in king's palaces. I prayed for King George of England, you know, when he was healed of multiple sclerosis. I prayed for other kings, potentates, monarchs, been in some of the finest homes in America, but I never felt any more welcome than I did right there. That little colored haunt that morning. I looked laying there on the bed, and there was a great big fine boy, looked to be about 170 or 80 pounds, six foot tall, and he had a blanket, little, like a little sheet blanket in his hand. He was going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kept complaining about being dark, he said, dark in here. I said, he's talking. He said, he's been staying there for two days. said, he thinks he's out on the sea somewhere, and he's lost in a boat. He can't find his way back. She said, Parson, all my heart, if I can just hear him say he's saved, he can go on there. I said, Auntie, I said, my name is Branham. I pray for the sick. Did you ever hear my ministry? She said, no, sir, Parson Branham, I never heard of you. She said, I'm sorry. I said, do you believe God can heal a boy? She wasn't even interested in it. She wanted him saved. She wanted him so she could meet him over there. And I said, all right, let us pray. And we got down to the side of the bed. I felt his feet. Now, they felt cold, sticky. I don't know. And I got down to the side of the bed to pray. And I said, Auntie, what about you praying first? I've heard lots of prayers. I'm telling you, when that old saint got to talking to God, you know she'd talked to him before. The prayer that she said to, that, to God that morning, she said, Lord, you know I've always respected you. I've loved you. I've worked. I've done all this for you. Not as I deserve it, Lord, but if I can just hear my voice say he's saved. She got up, never said nothing. I always looked at her. I never prayed. I just watched her. She got up, pulled the cover back over him again. He just had his little trunks like on, and she kissed him on the forehead and said, God bless Mama's baby. I just stood there, uh, nailed on my knees, rather, at the foot of the bed looking, holding his feet. And I thought, that's right. No matter how much disgrace he's brought, how big he is or what about it, how much social disease and what he's done to the family, a mother can't forget her baby. And I thought, if a mother can't forget her suckling babe, 
Jesus said, I can't forget you because your name's engraved upon the palms of my hands. How the love of God. No matter what we've done there. I looked at that. My heart would break. And I said, now we'll pray, Auntie. I'll pray too. She said, thank you, Parson. And she got down again, folded her hands, and laid her head down across the boy. I held his feet. And he kept going, uh, it's dark. It's dark in here. And I said, Heavenly Father, I'm now two hours late from my plane flight, but I only obeyed your word. This surely is a place. I don't know where else. It's the only place I've found. I don't know nothing about this boy and about the woman, but you led me over here some mysterious way, and she said she'd been praying, and she saw in a dream this morning me coming to her. So the only thing I know to do is stand and offer prayer for this poor boy. She's not interested in his healing, but she won't seem to be saved. I pray God. About that time, he said, Oh, Mama, it's getting light in the room. A few minutes, he was sitting up on the side of the bed, talking to us. I took off, flagged the cab, and I was about three hours late for my plane. Or oh, maybe more than that, it was about half past nine. I told the driver, I said, You take me on over to the airport. I'd missed everything, went by the, picked up my briefcase and things, went on over, and just as I was going in the gate, the last call for Flight 23 for Louisville, Kentucky. The thing of it is, think, the simple faith of that, excuse me, my colored friend, the simple faith of that ignorant colored woman grounded that plane and held it there. About two years later, I was going to Phoenix. I went out on a train, and you know, on the train you have to pay so much for them little old sandwiches and the slice of thick. It's only not so thin; it's only got one side to it. About fifty cents for a sandwich. I couldn't stand that; too rich for me. So we pulled into Memphis. If you know, you come in from the east, going west. The train pulled up there to switch on the turntable, and then when it pulled up, this little hamburger stand over there, and I jumped off and started running down to the other to go get me a sack full of hamburgers enough to last me to got to Phoenix. You get them for about 10 cents a piece there. That's better than on the train. So I run over to get me a sack of hamburgers, and I heard somebody say, Hello there, Clawson Branham. I looked over there. There's still a little red caps down there. I said, Hello, Sonny. Started down. Don't you know me? I looked back, and I thought, Maybe I might have tipped him sometime or something. I thought, No, I never was in here. I said, No, don't believe I do. I said, You remember about two years ago, you were down here and said, You come over to my house one morning, and the Lord led you over there, and you prayed for me, and I was laying dying. I said, you're not the boy. He said, yes, I is. He said, I, 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 I healed and I saved now, Apostle Brown. <laughs> Save now, Apostle Brown. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I could stand here for hours. I'm getting to be an old man now. I'm 31 years in the ministry, traveling around the world, sights and things, just take meetings and testify, but oh, well. When we, get, when we get across on the other side, I want an appointment with each one of you. I want to sit down for a thousand years with each one of you. We won't have any less time when we all get on than we did when we started, you see. Just sit down and talk about it, each thing. Won't it be wonderful when we meet there? Amen. The Lord bless. As we get towards the end of this episode, we end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're a God of mercy, but you're also a God of judgment. So, Father, as we prepare, he said, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, and the bride hath made herself ready. 
We thank you for this precious word that you've given us exceedingly and abundantly over what we could ever ask or think to prepare us for the journey. Help us, Father, by building faith in us to believe you for anything and everything and to not doubt in our hearts for anything that comes our way and not, Lord, to be alarmed at the waves, but to know that Jesus is in the boat with us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you.